Didn't you have to pee? I did. Oh, wow. What happened to me? I fell apart. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is a semi-monthly podcast delivering a breakdown of something, usually Transformers <laughs> related. And uh, this is your episode 94. I am your host, Aaron, and I have to tell you, and I, I wonder if this has ever happened to the listener. The other day, I was over at my friend's house. In fact, it was co-host Ryan. And I was there to eat. Caleb was there, as my, was my lovely wife, Melody. And, and the food, I just have to say, it wasn't pleasant at all. He fixed three things, which, by my culinary knowledge, are rather simple to prepare. Mac and cheese, peas, out of the pod, thank you very much, and chicken. And here's how it turns out. The macaroni was like my socks after walking through a lake, buddy. They were soggy. The peas, oh my god, the peas. It was as if... You were making wine and confused grapes with the peas. They were mushed, my friend. And well, the chicken was so overcooked. I mean, the only thing I could compare it to is wood. And look, I, I know it's hard to perfect 165 degrees of poultry. That's 75 Celsius to our UK listeners. But just the combination of all three of those items, the main dish plus the veggie and the carbs, I had to play it off and act like I was full. But then Caleb, the fucker he is, was all like, you ain't finished. Uh-uh, that's bull. I was so pissed. My heart started pumping. I said, look, I've already eaten. But Ryan kept piling and piling food on my plate. It was the worst. So I started daydreaming about leaving his house. And I know that's rude, right? But the smell of Ryan's food got me just overwhelmingly nauseous. And so at that moment, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, I busted out of my chair right through the closed door. I left a perfect impact silhouette of myself, like a goddamn Looney Tunes character. And so I go home, pop some diarrhea medication. <laughs> Can you guess my favorite brand? It's Kaopectate. <laughs> and and I, I, remember that I go to sleep. So we don't speak for two weeks. I am afraid Ryan's going to be mad at me. I insulted his food. I destroyed his door. And I start to bring it up. He's like, don't, don't. He's like, I understand about the food, baby. But, but, but we're still friends. I, and that was the end I of mean, it story. sounds like a delight. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a delight, but I guess it was in its own way. Those are one of the songs that seems like a really good idea at karaoke until you start doing it and you're like, this, this is an eight minute song. It's got a lot of lyrics. For our younger listeners, that's Rapper's Delight. I, this is just a story about me yeah. eating at your These are getting recently. elaborate. <laughs> yes. I love that song. And I like how there was a thing in like the 80s and of like rappers in particular, the fourth or fifth verse had nothing to do with it. It was like started being about food. Yeah, well, there is a radio edit of that song that is like a proper three to yeah. four minutes, uh, but then there is the eight-minute song. And if you're doing karaoke, why would you, why I would guess you bring true. the eight-minute so, version into it? I never really looked at the lyrics this, this in this in-depth, but this is part of it I just read. I'm going to freak you here. I'm going to freak you there. I'm going to freak you out of this atmosphere. 
because I'm one of a kind, and I'll shock your mind, and I'll put TNT in your behind. <laughs> <laughs> this song is terrible. Well, this is a song where he talks. The one of the rappers talks about stealing Lois Lane from Superman, and he's gonna bust her out with his super sperm. Oh yeah, <laughs> super sperm. Listen, this is the early days of of, of hip hop. Uh, this is the first real, I think, commercial rap hit. Yeah, you gotta let it breathe a little bit. It's gotta develop. I love that song. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> All right. And uh, that was the, uh, the Rapper's well, Delight well, Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, of course, uh, we still hang our hat on our minute-by-minute review of Transformers the movie. Why wouldn't we? It was a pretty time-consuming, if not financially lucrative, operation that we had going on. But times go on. And like the rusted corpse of Optimus Prime, we've buried the past and moved on to greener pastures. A shade of green, not unlike the camouflage worn oh. by many members of a daring American Special Forces Force. What? Special <laughs> Forces Force? <laughs> Whose whole purpose is to defend human freedom from Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. That's right. The Autopod Decepticast has taken on its new moniker, the Auto-Yo Decepti-Jo. I wrote down auto yo deceptio. <laughs> you, your notes are always hilarious. Sometimes I just let, you gotta let it go. I don't have time to correct everything. You, well, I will say uh, that in the UK, a GI Joe is known as Action Force. Uh, we're going to spend the next few episodes uh, covering uh, the flesh-covered cousin to our favorite metallic Robros, GI Joe the movie. And if you want to check out the '86 movie coverage, it's all out there. Feel free to go back to the beginning; it's a lot of fun. But for the next, I don't know how many episodes because it keeps changing every time we have a conversation. Mostly because be, of me. It was going to be three. Now it's going to be at least. It could be lots, upwards of ten. Ten, uh, good maybe. Lord. Yeah. So some specific people will be happy. Anyway, about that. it'll. It, we're gonna. Uh, yeah, I mean it'll be. Here's the problem. We'll be bringing in other. The way I, I we either the way I have to do notes to get the flow of the show going. Flow I'm so show. <laughs> I have anyway. I'm adapted to this minute by minute format. It's a little tougher to adapt that to a 30 minute when you're trying to like walk through the the events on screen. And so I either need to adapt, and if I do, maybe this will pick up a bitter taste, or I won't, and we'll do ten episodes, I, and everybody will like it. We're kind of we're kind of learning a new style here for. A little I will while. say I'm kind of like you, Aaron, where I, I like different. I, I'm, we're not obviously doing as much minutia because we're doing you right. know not a minute at a time. We don't know the brand as well. That's true, and so but I like so it takes us and, longer to research, and also and we don't care about it as much <laughs> either. Don't say that. I will say <laughs> got a gang of new GI Joe followers on the Twitter. Hello, everybody. I will say that in researching. <laughs> this movie and in trying to find ancillary information about it it does seem to be like the redheaded stepchild this movie is seems like the redheaded stepchild of transformers in the movie because you cannot get it in digital form Mm -hmm. um i can't i did another couple hours trying to find a ron friedman version couldn't find that i think we're gonna yeah the script i think we're gonna reach out to him on email and see what (laughs) see what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it today are you really? I have his email address. He's responded to us before. That's true. But well, then also I bought the DVD well. and uh, it's almost like it does. this movie does not want to get seen because the DVD now has taken to doing this thing where if I try to go to a, the menu without going through all that bullshit up mm-hmm. top, if I hit the square on the PlayStation, it just shuts the DVD. Oh, off. really? <laughs> yeah, I have that problem. I, I, I don't know if you and I have the same edition. We probably do. You have the do. Blu-ray version. Okay, well, it, I think they're just probably the exact same. In fact, they're probably the same resolution. Let's be right. Yeah. I doubt they upgraded it because, yeah, it forces me to watch a, like a solid 10 minutes. Oh, yes. 
of ads, and there's no skipping. And I, I thought I figured out a glitch that I could uh, that I could uh, use to skip past it, and it only works about twenty five percent of the time. I, I cannot play it in my computer. Like oh, I got wow. it to work once to take those screenshots hmm. from the, on our Twitter from last, last episode, but now I, I it, there's no autoplay. I put it in there. All I can bring up is a bunch of video files. I click on each one, and it's like so this is not supported. Oh, and you know what? I'm not actually watching the Blu-ray. I'm probably watching the same version you have. I have a disc, but it also came with the original. So they uh, probably just packaged whatever's left over from the unsold <laughs> of yeah. what you bought and just jammed it in there and said, "Here's a Blu-ray too." Uh, we love G.I. Joe the movie so far <laughs> in our, in our uh, I think, six minutes it's that fun. we're into it. So before we get into the to the G.I. Joe times, I just uh, a little bit of news. If you are going to be out in TFCon land, Los Angeles, March 15th through 17th, just, just about to let you know, away. I, Aaron, the third favorite uh, host of <laughs> Autopod Decepticast, will be there along with Mike Seibert of Mike Seibert Radio. And unlike Chicago, we don't have any special presentations or anything. We're just going to be hanging out enjoying the con i'm looking forward to hitting up some of the the room parties that i've heard goes on which sounds perverted when you put it out there like that without context and well with the mario thing that you just talked about it kind of adds a whole i'll be in the bathroom you start chase me chase me to 412 (laughs) you you start playing transformers a video game oh god you must die when that first plane hits you in the face. Oh, God. <laughs> and you uh, just will. I did look up, we talked about this a little bit, I looked up the G.I. Joe NES game, which looks way more fun than tra- the Famicom Transformers. Um, it looks like a combination between, like, Contra and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because you can switch yeah. between, like, three different characters. I think it was well-reviewed. Yeah, it seems like it. I'd never heard of it before, and it's not that cheap. It's, like, 35 bucks on eBay. So oh, gotcha. It might be a little bit before I get to it. Don't buy it as a joke. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy anything as a joke, do you <laughs> Uh, so in regard to TFCon, there, so we'll be there. If you'd love, if you're going to be in town, would love to clink a glass, rub elbows, or perhaps even bump uglies. <laughs> just, just kidding. I made it clear that Ryan won't be there and there won't be any elevators. That's a <laughs> callback. Callback. Uh, so since mine this, is the ugliest of bumpings. <laughs> since, uh, this is temporarily a G.I. Joe podcast, let's talk about the Joe related guests at, uh, TFCon. We're going to have Jack Angel's going to be there, who is Ultra Magnus and Cyclone. Clonus in the Transformers world. He's wetsuit on G.I. Joe. Jerry Hauser, I wrote as the voice of sci-fi. I assume that's a G.I. Joe character. I didn't write down the con- okay. I didn't write down the connection to Transformers. Neil Ross, as we all know, is Springer and a, and a half dozen other characters. He is uh, Shipwreck. Uh, he's going to be at TFCon. Michael Bell, of course, Prowl, Sideswipe, and the voice of Duke, certainly most famously. Morgan Lofting had some small roles on Transformers, Firestarter, and Moonracer. <laughs> Female Autobots. <laughs> and uh, she's the Baroness. Bill Ratner, the voice of one, I believe this is how you pronounce it, Dashiell Fabon, mm-hmm. uh, codenamed Flint. And he played a version of Flint, by the way, in the Transformers episode, The Killing Jar. Oh, we're all about to die in a horrible <laughs> oh, plane no, crash. It's happening. <laughs> Uh, Arthur Berghardt, of course, uh, Destro, G.I. Joe, Devastator on Transformers, and a few writers that shared uh, on both series will be there. Donald F. Gloot, Flint Dilly, and, of mm-hmm. course, Ron Friedman is going to yes. be there. It could be dramatic. 
and also before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to Sean, that's uh, Serge Bama on Twitter, for retweeting our last podcast where we covered the uh, opening sequence to G.I. Joe the movie. Thanks for doing that. Oh, the live tweet? Uh, the live tweet, that's correct. I want to also give a shout out, if there's anybody listening, to the <laughs> contributors at yojo.com, which is kind of a collection website. They catalog uh, all the toys and uh, the vehicles, three and three quarters, and actually on all the way to the modern day more contemporary toys, but for me, it's been a great resource to find all the names of <laughs> these characters on screen. Basically, I'm like, okay, the one that's wearing all red and has a has a lizard face, and then I just <laughs> go find that toy so I can figure out their name. Yeah, and learn more I had about to do it. that with the vehicles. I looked up yeah. all. It's like there's so many of everything. It, it's, so that's been a great resource. So um, I have a section here for banter. <laughs> <laughs> we probably had too much of that already. Ryan, you got any good grit stories you want to tantalize? Our taste buds with <laughs> no, I, I'm out of grit grit, grit formation. Um, but I do have some corrections from last episode. Um, I said that Jim was a reaction to Barbie and the Rockers, um, when in actuality it's the opposite. Um, oh, that uh, made more sense to me. But yeah, Barbie's, but wait, 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 wait. Well, explain because obviously Barbie's been around for much longer than Jim. Yeah, well, the Mattel, subline of Barbie and the Rockers. Yes, Mattel, oh, Mattel yeah. got wind that Hasbro was making a rock and roll girl doll and rushed Barbie and the Rockers into production, and they beat Jim to market. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, gotcha. Nope. So it still was corporate espionage. Yes, it, definitely. Okay. And they, that's on the, co- the toys that made us, and it's a woman is very proud of it. Okay. That um, she, she pulled that off. She's passed, yes. she's passed the statute she's like, of limitations. She's like, yeah, motherfucker, that shit's probably illegal. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, oh, the rededication ceremony. We did the last episode uh, question when that happened. Um, the Statue of Liberty, that was Liberty Weekend, uh, July 3rd, 1986. And it was also a celebration of the centennial of uh, Lady Liberty. Nice. Um, and then we talked about, oh, how Joe, this is not really a correction, just an addition, how Joe and Cobra lasers are different colors. Um, it occurred to me that it's the opposite of Transformers, whereas uh, the Joe lasers are red and Cobra lasers are blue. And in Transformers, it's not lasers, but the Autobots had blue eyes and the Decepticons had red eyes. Oh, and they okay. flipped the script. Gotcha. Hmm. That's all my corrections and additions. Okay. Thank you for doing that. Right <clears throat> uh, I'll do a last episode recap. So uh, we saw a multitude of mass marauders make way to murder America's maiden of emancipation. And a good-looking group of government godsends put a gag on the grievous goons with a garden variety grab bag of guns, grenades, grappling hooks, and a grandiose display of global diversity. No wonder this takes you so long. <laughs> <laughs> he spends all the time on the intro yeah. and the alliteration. <laughs> humoring, humoring himself. <laughs> That's right. So let's open this up then. This this thing starts at about 3.19. And, um, after, the, after the awesome intro, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah which we've, we, we discussed in uh, our previous episode. I uh, think as we, I like to call it, a Joe-pisode. Right. No, I which think is so. In fact, what I, meant, what I meant to say is here, let <laughs> me just... Start over. Let's get into the G.I. Joe review. That's what yes. we should call this. Se- this is our segment. Yeah, this is the Joe review. Uh, <laughs> and I was referring to uh, on our last uh, Joe Joe episode. It's not, <laughs> it's not can, good. We can make it work. I'm going to shoehorn that in there. This has been an odd, kind of a side debate on the old... Uh, Texting combo. I, I say Joe episode. They say Joe review. It's not a debate. It's just fun. It's demonstrably Joe episode is worse <laughs> by a wide margin. 
there will be more of that to come, certainly. Sure. So mm-hmm. we open up to the familiar music of one Robert J. Walsh, R.I.P., who composed many a great uh, background music sequence for Good many stuff. shows at Marvel Sunbow. He died just last September at the age of 70. Uh, oh. But as his music is playing, we have a, a, a dragonfly landing yeah. uh, on on a on a reflection of the moon in the lake. This, and yeah. right off the bat, some really amazing animation. Yeah, it's good stuff. This is a real, like, um, this is a movie trope, uh, which is called Always a Bigger Fish, mm-hmm. where a fish comes out and eats that bee, and then immediately <laughs> the catfish jumps into, into the mouth of an alligator. I can't believe that's a trope. Of a it's, thing getting eaten by a thing getting eaten by another oh, thing. Oh, you see it all over the place. Yeah. Usually, it is um, what uh, usually it's referred like refers to heroes being saved by uh, from something by a bigger something. Like Jurassic okay. Park, they're saved by the, from the raptors by the T Rex. Right. Or in Moana, in the realm of monsters, an eel tries to eat her, and then a plant eats that eel. Right. That you could say the eel eating the princess bride saved by Fezzik, who clomps it in the mouth. And, and well, but that doesn't he doesn't really eat. Yeah, no, at the same time. It has to eat it? Yes. it Yeah, it has to eat something, eating something. Otherwise, he's just... So if if Andre the Giant would have yanked the eel out of the water and just started chewing its fucking head off... Well, no, what would have had to happen (laughs) is that the eel would have eaten her... And then Andre the Giant would have eaten the eel. Although usually it's... But no, but we're talking about being saved. Yes, but it's not by uh, someone who's doing it for good reasons. It's it's a coincidental saving by something that probably would have eaten uh, you anyway okay. if that other thing hadn't have been there. Uh, it's right. uh, the Phantom Menace does it in the underwater. Okay, I'm with it. We have spent way too much time on that conversation. Sorry. So uh, <laughs> it's the the in a very uh, so it's very circle of life, <laughs> and this uh, right off the bat, I, I, this I I just looked at it as is this this movie's way of telling you right off the bat that it's fucking hardcore, it's, man. Uh, I think it's doing well, a few different things. Hardcore. I think it's it's doing one thing. A, it's showing you the setting is a swamp and it's <laughs> and it's a da- and it's a da- it's a dangerous you know it's a dangerous place and mm-hmm. you know it's rough out the, there, the kid. Co- Cobra is notorious for establishing their bases in dangerous environments. Is that right? Is that a thing? I can't, yeah. I, I can't remember from the television. Absolutely. Show. Okay. And uh, you know they they want to you know they're going to set up their place as kind of hazardous. People want to stay away from it, you know. Also, I would say though that also the the you know this trope is good at kind of demonstrating that there's always somebody that's bigger and badder than you, and I think it kind of shows the relationship with oh, GI Co- Joe, Cobra, and Cobra. Cobra. Oh my god, it's levels, baby. So that co- that that crocodile is Cobra Law. I mean, the metaphor in a way, it kind of. I think it's just kind of. Going and then this. that's why whenever it just second when you hit it that, that you see the reflection of Cobra in its eyeball. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm, this yeah. is levels. So, yeah. so as the uh, crocodile whips its tail into the water, the credits start to roll over the screen. We covered that in uh, fairly extensive detail in the last episode. And yeah, to Caleb's point, it, we see in a very cool piece of animation the reflection of the of the Cobra troopers uh, getting that ready to drive. called a stun. That's correct. Very good. Good. And, and do you know what the driver is called? Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Honestly, they are he's, motor vipers. When he's on break. It's Frank it? Zappa. Yeah, it's Frank Zappa. That would be weird. Just smoking cigarettes and making Music. songs 200 forever. motels. Yeah. <laughs> and the terrible movies. Uh, no, those are motor vipers, and which are, and like you said, the Cobra Stun is a multi-terrain vehicle. These folks drive off, and, you know, I'm just going to say it's something kind of weird emerges from the lake here. Mm. Those are actual vehicles that would work in combat, as opposed to some of the other later examples. Okay, so something arises from the water, some kind of soft, almost <laughs> gelatinous-looking organic periscope-type right. thing. Cobra uh, I have it written down, Cobra Law is gross. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's look, a yeah. lot. I, yeah, look. Cobra Law is dot, 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 gross. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of Cronenberg-esque body yeah. horror shit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that for sure. So it... Uh, submerges, and then the scene shifts at, to a Cobra base that I believe, I can't, I'm not 100%, but I believe this fits the classification of a terror drone. Yeah, yes. it looks like it, it yeah. Is the it's the terror drone. So, lots of guns and they're, guards. They're on the bayou. That's right. I would love to go, I would just, I want it, to see in person that mo- that Spanish moss hanging from a tree. It's, uh, I bet they all, at, uh, at this Cobra base, they have Tabasco sauce. Creole! <laughs> Creole! I can hear my old hound dog barking. Yes, yeah, right. Shrimp etouffee! <laughs> Okay, we're at the Terra Dome, and we have a nice, fully animated, no-static background sequence here. Yeah. It's really cool, where the, the top of the Terra Dome opens, and a fleet of these flight pods launch and buzz past some watchtowers over those incoming stun vehicles, which are just kind of driving onto Cobra property yeah. here. We did have a question last episode what those those things were called, and they're just called... Flight pods. Yeah, yeah that's they're, they're prominent in the they're prominent in the Joe It's just like a lot. they have such creative names for everything else, and they're just like, ah, flat, flat, flat pod. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they had to release them just to go catch up with those I think vehicles it was, and turn back. I think they were scouting. I think yeah. they were trying to see who who was approaching. Yep. Okay, interesting. The uh, the camera moves inside the base at this point, <sighs> and to what I assume is Serpentor's throne room. room. Right, here's by the way, we're uh, we're looking right now at the um, the background animation. Mm-hmm. Remember when I was talking about the background animation? Right in, at in, uh, oh yeah, four minutes and thirty nine seconds yeah. is where we're paused. Uh, the background animator. Um, this was an example that we that was utilized in a conversation about the guy that did the background animation on Transformers the movie. Oh yeah, wow. we uh, we'll put that picture up again, but it's it's very H.R. Geiger. Yeah. It looks so, like whale ribs, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I bet you he took inspiration from like a snake spine Pinocchio? or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure he did. So, but yeah, so you know Tinkerbell? Pinocchio gets thick as well by We a may whale. refer to it later, but the 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 guy that was <laughs> one of the background animation directors for Transformers the movie had some involvement in this movie as a background animator. Nice. And I don't remember his name right now. Fervent. I will say this: I've, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed. Not always, but even when <laughs> I was little, I remembered thinking like, it's impressive but odd that the Cobra can get away with building this massive terror drone oh, yeah. in Louisiana. Yeah. And no one seems to know about it. Like they First must of all, really it's a good. major infrastructure project to build on a swamp anyway. The contractors. Yeah, not That's to a, bite off of uh, Kevin Smith, but they've got to have some independent contractors. You think your average uh, no. Crimson Guard knows anything about snake and toilets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have to have some hardcore NDAs. <laughs> they would have to have signed. 
I assume they just execute the people after they finish. Or why, like, why take the job? I mean, it's like H. H. <laughs> it's like H. H. Holmes. Whenever he built his murder castle, he would switch contractors constantly, and sometimes did th- theoretically. He asked one of them to murder his like a, a, other one of the other workers, and I'm like, you're pretty loosey goosey with your your talk. But yeah, yeah, he was just constantly rolling over contractors so that nobody knew what he was building. Right. I, well, and plus this project, one contractor or ten would is at least. It's a good enormous, year, two year long project. So you just want you want fucking snakes everywhere? Because there's a lot of fucking snakes on here. That's your blue collar voice. Yeah. Every time, yeah. Every blue collar Ryan voice is like a little Jersey, a little Philly. I fucking Staten Island, baby. Yeah. yeah that's... Fucking Wu Tang. Forget about it. Forget about it. So... I'm all over New York. <laughs> Okay, so where were we? I feel, like, I feel like I had something else I wanted to. Oh, Caleb was saying he's it. amazed that like nobody notices these huge yeah. structures. Yeah, the, you know, uh, you watch Better Call Saul, don't you? Yeah. The that whole are you up to date on it? I don't want to spoil. There's anything. a new season coming out very soon, in there. Well, are, have you seen the season where they've been constructing the the meth lab underneath the dry cleaner? You must be a season behind. He's a blank look you on better, his face. You better pop up. I mean, it's very relevant to what we're talking about. Shit. Because what I you know in Breaking one. Bad, they have the ma- spoilers. Spoilers everybody out there. Spoilers. The last one I've seen is where his brother burns himself down in his house. Okay, yeah, you're have behind been... by a season. No shit. Yeah, you got to catch oh up. Oh my god. So uh, the, no. at any, we all know that there's. It's not a spoiler unless you've never watched Breaking Bad, and if you haven't, punch yourself in the face. But the yeah. the take it easy on yourself. Yeah. It's not that great. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so you're going to elicit violence <laughs> from the world because right. that show is Come so at me, boring. baby. Anyway, there's a meth lab underneath a dry cleaning facility, and that all burns down by the end of the show. But this show is back in time, Better Call Saul, and you're seeing that get, get constructed. Ah. And he has to get contractors to do that. And you see him, like there's a sequence of, you know, he has to interview different contractors to see if they've got what it takes to pull off the job and investigate him. And Mike plays the heaviest role in checking the background on these people and finally they settle on one and uh, there's I mean it's the whole big plot line of the season what do you want uh, you want a fucking meth lab is that what you're looking for (laughs) he actually gets a guy from I believe Germany so German engineering is that what you want I do that so he's interviewing you know that Cobra has an HR department Mm -hmm. they have to they have to do you think they abide by like sexual harassment absolutely not absolutely not well you know that they do abide by kind of diversity rules for sure yeah, that's true well I mean, first of all this is the 80s so nobody cared what women said yeah like those those complaints are getting ignored well despite that i mean the baroness rose to the highest ranks of the organization she's competent she yeah. uh she, all she, <laughs> you're, you're, you're fired <laughs> moving on darn it <laughs> sorry oh, gosh okay uh you guys know that to an alligator everything looks like a pork chop is that like when, like, uh, is that like when uh, on Looney Tunes when, like, uh, <laughs> a hungry Sylvester looks at like uh, uh, another animal and they just turn into a talking hot dog? That's right, yeah. kind of like that. That's what I was. It's gonna, weird. I was just reflecting back on that alligator and thinking it would have been funny if, if in the reflection of its eyes, it just with these pork chops floating over the. I also like that were driving how the lake. pork chops driving the airport. <laughs> exactly. I just saw, I also like how we make it food that we eat. Like they would just see it as meat. But we we're like a, a roasted chicken. Yeah, it's a prepared food. It's, yeah, it's clearly a cheeseburger flying. In the sky. It's just another metaphor to layer into this. 
We're we're at the Cobra base, as I recall. The camera is inside the base. We're going into Serpenter's throne chamber. Oh boy, he and is coming in hot. He, yeah. in, insults ablazing. I, I, <laughs> I, out of his, out of his where's he coming down from? His suntan <laughs> chamber. Yeah, he's been tanning. He never takes that outfit off. It's got to be smelly, right? Yeah, you think? he never takes that. I mean, outfit he's so off. covered. Like it's he's such got, a ugh. dumb looking uniform. You hate Serpentor for hate some Serpentor. reason. I love I him because he's so crazy. Here's I've my never question. Liked him. Never liked him. Is that an outfit. <laughs> <laughs> is it just as part of his body? Well, he's, does cloned? he have scaly no. hands? No, he's cloned from it's humans. So weird. That... You think that? Yeah, but we're about to know, learn about Cobra Law and his somehow his, it's his ties to that. There's got to be he's some. Now, just weird. I mean, I think the headpiece is a costume, but he has real life snakes that are Those always snakes around. Perplex him. me. I, yeah. I talk about the snakes later, but also like there are so many snakes in his costume, in his like little hover thing in this chamber. He's like the Rob Liefeld of snakes. So you know, like they're his pouches. Yeah, they're his pockets. <laughs> he's like a. He's well, yeah. He's he like, has green hands. Yeah, that's the weird thing is they should be gloves, but there's a fingernail yeah. on it. Maybe. That happens all the time in cartoons. Yeah. I, in my opinion, he's just kind of a level above, like like a birthday magician <laughs> with the snakes and the costume. That would be great if the snakes that were around his neck were really just those party snakes where you open up and they fly out of his head. Anyway. Okay, yeah. so he... Uh, I'm going to complain about him a lot, by the way. I love Serpentor. <laughs> He's tearing into this team of uh, witless fuckabouts. And Cobra Commander, who, by he the way, is, is looking very dapper yeah. indeed. It looks like he just came from the opera. In a red... He looks, <laughs> he looks like he, he looks, was performing in the he opera. <laughs> He's got a he looks, red and black cape. He looks uh, he has, a cane. He has a yep. cane. He's got a, he cell, has these, he's got a cell phone on his, on his belt. <laughs> That's right. It's like... I thought it was a Triforce. Uh, whatever. And he's got Oh, these, you meant the buckle. And he's got these cape pins that uh, are golden cobra That's cape. Good. I mean, he looks great. Yeah, Did he, he looks, ever wear that in the cartoon? No. He so. looks stylish now. He doesn't look like that clown serpentor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He is very well dressed. So so as cobra commander, he he's... He's uh, not going to take that shit. He takes offense to what Serpentor is saying, and he tries to rubber glue the accusations Ooh, boy. of incompetence back <laughs> at Serpentor. He really misreads this room. <laughs> I know. So Cobra Commander tears into Serpentor. We see uh, Destro, the Baroness, Major Blood, the Twins, Mindbender. Buzz Boo. <laughs> Sorry. Buzz Dixon in the commentary says that Major Blood's only appearance is in the intro, but he's in this room. He just he doesn't is. speak. Yeah, he's done talking. Although I think he, gets, he doesn't speak I think in he the got intro a vocal either. credit. But uh, and, and also Zartan and his siblings are in there, which side note, I didn't realize he had so many siblings. They're and they're kind all, of looking at each and other. They've always been swamp folk. <laughs> it's well they're biker folk. They're but they they and I, I I could be so wrong about this, but I, I think that in the show they, they like hang out in the swamp, which is weird to me that they should have like a Creole accent. They're British. Right. They've like so very working blood. class British accent. I think the Cop- Cobra's got some kind of good recruiting source in the UK. Right, just this disaffected uh, youth, but they're you know. Very... They also seem to me like they like back in the they were like uh, you know members that got cast out of Black Sabbath back in the seventies, right. and they fell on yeah. hard times and decided to join. Cobra. Well, that's why they started that cover band, uh, Cold Slither, so they could do that's right know, some fuck Osborne hits uh, solo well, and a lot and of British people aren't the, they're the Judas Priest, right? Correct, the they're Australian. 
Oh, oh, there we go. So they're more like ACDC. And I, I tell you, I had, the, the, I had this later, but the reason... <laughs> the Bee Gees! That would have been awesome if Cold Slither was more of a disco yeah. uh, outfit. Anyway. Uh, I was I had some of this later, but it's relevant to talk about now. The Dreadnoughts are Australian because they were created by Larry Hama, and he uh, was in Vietnam and had some unfortunate interactions with Australian uh, <laughs> uh, soldiers. No shit. Yeah. Are you going to talk about more of that, or is that just is that what you got? That's pretty much it. I'd like to know. More I have a little bit more about Larry Hama, but yeah. Okay. For me, that's really interesting. That 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 you know how some of these characters are developed, and that particular story is is interesting to me. And hopefully, there we can find out more about that as we move forward with these episodes. <laughs> I'll just move forward with this moment. Thank then. you. <laughs> so, uh, you. I have a little bit more about the Dreadnoughts. Mm. They were originally meant to be a race of humanoid bears to capitalize. What? <laughs> On the popularity of the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi, but Larry Hama, who was writing the comic book, was critical of that proposal, telling Hasbro, you can't have good guys running around shooting at teddy bears. Also, and so, based on what have... Ryan said, he, did ma- he just made the decision to change the characters to obnoxious bikers. And it Australians, stopped. to obnoxious Australians, too. <laughs> that is bizarre. Like, why all of a sudden are we introducing sentient animals? Although, I guess we kind of do later, but in right, the movie. Right, right. I like it. So, um, and of course, we've already mentioned Cold Slither. Cobra Commander is tearing into Serpentor still at this point. Caleb, you said it would be good to play poker against Cobra Commander. Yeah, well... Oh, because of his reflection? No, no. <laughs> I never thought about that with the faceplate. No, what I was saying is like... Why can't I win a single goddamn hand? He can't, he can't read a room. And also, it's like when... Uh, here in a few moments, like... When he... You can hear him realize in his head... <laughs> that they need, they should what? leave. They should leave Serpentor alone oh, and exposed. Right? He's like, we need to go defend Serpentor, and they're like, and then they're like, yes. If Ser- if if Serpentor dies, Cobra's over. Cobra's over, and Cobra, and then you hear Cobra's tone change just slightly. He's like, yes, <laughs> we have to go d- defend him now. Watching him be like, shady. Watch him play cards like, <laughs> like I have. A terrible hand. <laughs> Watching him be shady in this first part of the movie is delightful. It. It is. Uh, Serpentor is immediately refuting Cobra Commander's claims about his own incompetence. Like, uh, just ask my squad. They'll tell my you squad. that I'm the shit. And he looks to Destro, who steps up and flips it on us immediately yeah. with a speech that has a, a twistier ending than an M. Night Shyamalan movie, mm. uh, which <laughs> is militarily speaking. It is only fair to say that Cobra Commander is a world-class buffoon. I feel like you were paused right here, actually, at 5 minutes, 28 seconds. I feel like we're getting some side boob on Satana there. Anyway, side boob on every sorry, female yeah. character yeah. on this show. Cobra Commander then asks the rest of the crew to back him up, and Mindbender approaches to the mic. That would be a fun costume to do. It would be. It would be. You'd would only Even people that watch G.I. Joe, would only one in ten would probably get it. Well, Caleb, you said your wife didn't want to be the Baroness, but what if one year you do Destro and I be the Baroness? Deal. All right. I, I will say this. I mean, you're talking about Halloween costumes, but uh, there are there. Are, you know, we should definitely acknowledge that there are GI Joe like uh, I don't clubs not a necessarily a good name, but there's there's people out there that have uh, get together that do some serious GI Joe cosplay, and mm-hmm. they, they it's for like it's charitable. So anyway, um, 
Yeah, I want to acknowledge that because well, it's, it's we'll have so to remember cool. who those people are and we maybe edit couple. it in. Mike Seibert uh, did uh, an interview with those people. Yeah, from so TF. Oh yeah, from we're TF. completely oh. ignorant about that right now, but we should do our homework and talk about it a little bit more in our future episodes. I I'll just drop in that part of. I'll that. just ask Mike Seibert and I'll drop in that section of the interview from his episode. All right, my first interview is with the leader of a group of G.I. Joe costumers who had a really cool booth over at TFCon. Uh, but when I noticed the community outreach they were doing, I had to learn more. Check it out. My name is Ryan Brown. I'm the garrison commander for Central Defense, the Fighting Fifth. We're a garrison of the finest, a G.I. Joe costuming club. If you think about 501st and the way they do Star Wars, we do G.I. Joe. And what that means is we end up pairing with a lot of military charities. We've worked with USO and Wounded Warriors in the past, and this weekend we're here actually raising money for a group called Canines for Warriors. They rescue dogs from shelters, they train them up to be service animals, and then give them to veterans who need them for free. The neat thing is is that we get to raise awareness for them as well as thank anyone who donates with them. We've had a lot of really cool people in our group who've went out and made things like stickers, buttons, and other things, as well as really cool artists who've donated posters to us. So it's all our ways to give people a gift when they donate. So you can think about like, you know, the kind of Kickstarter tier things like donate a dollar, you get this, five dollars, etc. So no matter what you can donate, even if it's as low as a dollar, we have something to say thank you. And the really cool thing about it is that I get to be a big action figure while we do it. Uh, for me, G.I. Joe was such a big part of growing up and I was in the military for a while too, so you know, there's that connection as well. So getting out now and actually being able to give back to the people who didn't get out without perfect condition and stuff like that, it really means a lot to me and tying those big strings of my life together really makes it worthwhile and I'm sure a lot of people in the group can say the same thing. Very cool. Um, so for folks that are listening at home, because because of time travel, TFCon is over, but for, but, uh, but for folks that would like to know more about The Finest and to help contribute, how can folks uh, get a hold of you on either like the internet or social medias or any uh, platforms uh, to track you guys down? Well, probably the easiest way is to look at our Facebook page, uh, The Finest Costuming Club, or The Finest G.I. Joe Costuming Club. You can probably find us really easy there. We also have a website, www.thefinestcc.com. Uh, if you're one of the people who are thinking about, you know, maybe I want to do a costume or something like that, you can actually look up the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook, and that's a page that's dedicated to all the people who are trying to put together costumes and have what kind of tips and tricks that you can learn from other people who have done it before. So it's our way to help you get into the club. Otherwise, we're all over at shows across the country. I know for our group alone, we still have Grand Rapids Comic Con coming up next month, as well as Chicago Pop Culture Cons. We'll be back here in the area, and it's definitely one of those things where there's more and more every day, so always worth checking. All right, well, uh, thank you for taking the time. And before I let you go, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to mention or give any uh, particular shout-outs to while I've got you on the line here? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is Hail Cobra! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. He asks the rest of the crew to back him up. Mindbender approaches. He reminds the group that not only is Cobra Commander... Uh, commander intellectually lacking he's as yellow as the noonday sun you yellow 
And at this point, we cut back to that freaky periscope thing, which... He looks at us! (laughs) (laughs) Six minutes, 22 seconds. (laughs) He looks right at the camera. We see the periscope is just one phallic-shaped part of a greater hole, which is some kind of ship that appears to be constructed from a bundle of uh, elephantine (laughs) intestines. It's so gross. Uh, That thing really does look like a penis, by the way, at this point. The way the slit is up front, I mean, I might... The, the tip is maybe oh, a bit okay. smidge purple, hmm. but everything, look, everything looks like a penis. It, you, if you want it to enough, that's fine. Uh, we get a close-up of the figure. Uh, even clo- the sound it makes whenever this thing melts around here is so gross. It's like I, I think the writers just had a gross-out competition, or maybe the sound designers like, how can we just make I, this? What do you think that thing smelled like inside? <laughs> <laughs> the ship kind of opens up, and there's a mysterious cloaked. Uh, figure who has, uh, we can see that they have the skin texture of a burn victim, but uh, they uh, they emerge from the machine. They I, I was, you seem to think this is skin, no, and it's, it's clearly armor. It's an armor. You think so? Yeah, yeah. her butt, okay. her suit is armor. has the armor that has that looks like the skin of a burn victim. How about that? I guess. Uh, and <laughs> that person, this thing, whatever it is, it, it kind of tests out an electric fence here. She's got, I mean, uh, she's got yoga pants on, okay? That's all that really is. Uh, it says juicy. We don't know. <laughs> or pink. <laughs> yeah, that's both weird. And uh, they test the test the electric fence. And by the way, I don't know the gender of this uh, of this. It's true. We haven't yet. gotten there yet. Uh, I just know that they they seem to be very evasive and you know cloaked people. Also uh, slit eyed, serpentine. Uh, correct, correct. That's what we know so far. Not, Viruses. No. Test out the fence, and uh, it releases some kind of four headed eel now, to gnaw a hole in the chain links. You mean you've never seen a Four-headed, uh, no-assed animal. Not, yeah, that spe- I guess a, that's has, gen- has a very specific purpose. I guess it's genetically engineering. Like, there's no way that thing was developed by nature. <laughs> she should have just used her nails on it, but because I guess she well, tried. No, well, that's well. We'll get. I think. We'll, let's get to that in a second. Okay. Let's, let's put a pin in that because uh, that'll come back up here. So the eels do her, their thing. Uh, the the cloaked figure, gender neutral, <laughs> bipedal <laughs> organism, jumps through the hole in the fence, and now we're back to our our friends in the inside of the of the the terror drone here it's cobra leadership we see cobra commander and his closest quote unquote friends are <laughs> just piling on and on and on about a failed desert campaign which i think is a real reference to something uh, probably is and uh, cobra commander goes on to say it's all unsubstantiated it's it's fantasy it's lies <laughs> lies this is like lies it's like an episode of uh Big Brother or the real world. It really is. I feel, I immediately feel bad for him at this point. Yes, it does a great job of making you feel bad for Cobra Commander, this movie. I would love to see Cobra Commander in an episode of the real world or like the Celebrity Apprentice. All we have to do is script it. We'll do do our own radio play. Excellent. Okay. It's Look on. forward to that, listeners. Next project. Oh, boy. We are back to the external of the building here, and we see our clandestine intruder sneaking in between some spotlight beams. One of these kind of uh, basic Bob-type troopers. I believe they're just called a Cobra Soldier. I couldn't find a, a fancy name for this guy. Guys with the black face masks. Correct. So uh, this is a cool sequence. He's mm-hmm. manning the tower, gives a little peep through the side of his gun here, and through the peephole we see this figure. You're running toward the trooper and... Slippity slap. 
with a whiff of her cloak, its cloak, it uh, you know taken down. And but however, that's enough noise to alert a room full of. Do you know what these are? Absolutely not. Televipers. Yeah. And is that what it says on the badge? <laughs> like that's what you have to clock in. And they they're alerted. They know that there's something going on outside. And the voice they have is quite familiar. It's one of Chris Lata's many voices. At this point, we see the Crimson Guard. They rush to the armory. They that's grab their cool. rifles. They, grab they the rifles, yeah. insert the clips and move uh, on. Technically, that's a magazine. Oh god, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was a gun the nerd. Editor of Guns and Ammo was here with me today. <laughs> the hooded figure approaches an entrance that is closed. Before its before its eyes it closes in front of it. And uh it extends its claws. Here we see I'll I'll just say her. Those look like feminine hands. Sure. She cuts through this door like butter. There's no reason I can only assume she couldn't she cut through acid that claws? electric fence. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, same sure. same application though. No electricity. Fence. Yeah, but she <laughs> touched that fence. It's not like she just went like a little. She. If those, I know what you're saying. If those acid claws can do that to metal, she shouldn't have a problem with electric. Sure. But we we do want to know. But what? obviously, they wanted to allude to the fact that there's some there's some kind of strange biotechnology. And you want to get as many bites at that apple as oh, possible. Sure. Yeah. So you're just throwing a bunch of different. Like yeah, it's I mean, like the James Bond gets a bunch of little tools that are very right. specific for yeah, certain yeah, things. Right. Use it once. Yes. There's the <laughs> unitaskers. Yeah. So the the pods surround her. Like no, Alton Brown uses that word. Interesting. Okay. The the pods attack her. She jumps in through the hole that she's created. She jumps down a series of flights, which remind it's me of cool. the uh, the video game on Nintendo, yeah, Ghostbusters, best. the first Ghostbusters. In reverse. In reverse. Yes. Oh god, that's a frustrating ass <laughs> game. She happens across some mechanics. I don't know if they have special names or not. Um, let, let's, Unfortunate uh, dupes. <laughs> they look sharp. All they the do, Cobra guys look pretty. They sharp. do look no stains or any, no grease on there. On their shirts. Uh, she pulls out kind of an. Uh, they're working on fire bats, by the way. She pulls out an alien whoopee cushion and injects <laughs> the atmosphere around them with some yeah. kind of nauseous Spore. gas. Yeah. Slides right by those guys. Oh, can you, if you could pause it when, at eight forty six, right there. Whenever there's Destro says there's an intruder. Look, security's been breached, is what he says. But on the this enormous screen, it just says intruder <laughs> alert. <laughs> That's like all that screen is there. For. There's no feed. There's no video. It's just <laughs> hey, shit. It's like the warning light in your car. It's the least useful information. It's like the warning light in your car if it was about four feet by three feet high. Right. Uh, may- maybe there's another message on there. It just says no intruders. <laughs> <laughs> it's an everything's okay alarm. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I like the idea of an everything. That's okay from alarm. Simpsons. Homer invents an everything's okay <laughs> oh, alarm that goes shit. off every like three seconds. <laughs> As long as everything's okay. And you can't turn it off, but it does break easily. That's beautiful. Destro acknowledges the security situation. Cobra Commander is all uh, like, uh, we got to protect Serpentor. He feels, yes! feels, feels, feels very yeah. disingenuous. Yeah. <laughs> He's using his sarcasm voice. Yeah. <laughs> sarcasm alarm. It doesn't matter uh, because Ser- Serpentor, or Serpy as I refer to him in my notes no. here, will meet this intruder head on following a long line of Cobra leaders that frankly don't know how to delegate. And mm-hmm. they, they talk Serpy off the ledge. And the rest of the group leaves to like tackle it. the situation, shouting "Cobra!" And Serpentor is left in the room with a with just a couple of measly crimson, crimson guards, guards. Yeah. to to protect him. 
the intruder uses its powers to cut a hole in the ceiling. We will see her fall through. Well, you, before you, that, like, there's at 9 minutes and 35 seconds, she, like, acids a guy's head who has a helmet on. Oh, and, I think that comes after she falls through the hole in the ceiling. Is it? Yeah. I guess we'll find oh, out. We'll give it a moment here. There you Two go. crimson guards. Lock and load, man. So we see a bunch of troops. Okay, yeah, so she's she cutting a hole. The ceiling. And, the, and by the way, I think with all these uh, James Bond or organic James Bond knickknacks she has, I feel like her greatest gift is the gift of being able to draw a perfect circle. Yeah, she, I would agree with you. She, okay, so yeah, she, she hasn't gotten to the throne room yet, but this is the hallway. Right, she's in the hallway. Some Crimson Guards come up. She grabs one. Well, first she uh, has this sort of weird... Clam with a ribbon. Clam, and, and, it, and it, the ribbon comes out of its clam mouth yeah. and wraps up some guys and basically mummifies them, yeah, for correctly. lack of a, of a better yeah. uh, phrase. Then another guy comes up. She manages to touch his face and sizzles it. I assume there's some kind of either fumes or acid or poison. That yeah, she that's releases. at 9.35. And it, I got to say, it's the first. he takes his helmet off, and it's kind of jarring to see a cobra's face, like right. cobra, like trooper's face. He's in a lot of pain. <laughs> There's a real human under there. Yeah. Who yeah, probably know. only makes the equivalent of $25,000 a year. Yeah. He's disaffected. He's living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that guy screams. It's actually a really horrifying scream. Mm-hmm. And then she delivers a nice solid uppercut oh, just yeah. to, 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 to juice him some more here. <laughs> and then we've got another group of uh, Crimson Guards that attack her. And she throws some face <laughs> yeah. huggers at them. She's got a lot of stuff under that cloak. (laughs) Knocks out another guy. There was some, wasn't there some parable about a guy who had to live in poverty for a certain amount of time, but if he reached in his pocket, there would always be, what is that? I don't know, but he had to wear a bear suit. Like, I think we may have seen this in Gifted or something, because I remember that too. He had to wear like a bear skin, and he couldn't bathe or anything. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, he couldn't bathe for a and long yeah, time. but anytime he reached into his pocket, he could pull out gold coins, which is why to this day one of my wishes is if I ever meet a genie, that's one of my wishes is I get to pull out uh, currency. Anytime I reach into my pocket, I can pull out a hundred dollars. That way, I feel like I won't get too greedy because it would take forever to like amass a huge amount of wealth doing that. <laughs> My other wish is that if something is no... You're saying that you're... you're he wants to be completely independently wealthy, but just, work just, for a, little, a, little just a little bit by, of time. Because yeah. of the repetition of reaching into your own pockets? Yeah, but, well, I feel like, you know, if you wish for just a chunk of money, I this mean, way you're at least... If you, if you put your hand in your pocket and play with yourself, is are coins going to bounce out of your pocket like a Mario Brothers box? Why? In what scenario am I playing with myself through my pockets? <laughs> No. The elevator? I just like the idea of coins going out of your pocket. I would have so many pockets. <laughs> well, my other wish is that if something, if I wish to know something, I can know it. Um, I would probably pay somebody to reach into my pockets all the time. <laughs> if that's your kink, you let your freak flag no, fly. Just, way I'm just, I, do, I do have an idea for a story that hasn't been fleshed out because there's no real story there, but it's about a lawyer who specifically works on, like, uh, paranormal stuff, and one of them is like working on the le- the legal document of wishes because they always turn out like a monkey's do, paw situation. Do the pockets have to be? Do the, does the do the clothing have to be on me for it to work? Because if I didn't, I would just buy a whole bunch of clothes and pay a whole warehouse full of people. Well, that's why you have to talk to the, the lawyer so that you don't have the genie give you like a Twilight Zone ending. Oh, like for example, what? Well, like the monkey's paw. I don't know that. Or like the, it's pocket, the pocket has a hole in it, so right. therefore there's never any money. Right. Oh, well, that's stupid. It's, it's, all wishes would, turn out that way. Could, they always could, turn out bad. What if I, I could just, I'd just sew the pocket up. 
Imagine this. Did anybody think about sewing up the pocket? There's, you signed the document without the that. Listen, the genie is going to fuck you over. You got to get some legal protection. What? Remember in the when we were in college in the nineties and, and early two thousands, the, uh, the the trend of of cargo khakis. Yeah. Yes. What, like, think about that. If that was your pocket and you just had this change jostling around the side of your I don't know why you keep coming long. back to change. I was thinking a $100 bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I thought you said gold coin. That was gold coins was in the story of the bear guy. Mm-hmm. I said a $100 bill. Okay. Although then I get fucked over because, like, the currency collapses or something, and so it's all worthless, and now we're back to the gold standard. Or it's a $100 in some third world country. Or currency. monopoly money. <laughs> All right, well, get I don't that. know why genies have it out for everybody. <laughs> get that lawyer. They want you to learn a lesson. It's about the lesson. I guess so. Not about the wish. The monkey's paw is the woman. They wish for I 200. Don't care. <laughs> Move it along. <Wow. laughs> Literature is dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> we, we just got done seeing some face huggers from the uh, Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Cobra Commander and his troops are running down the hallway. He gets a visual on this hooded creature, and uh, he but he misdirects the other defenders to go another direction, right. leaving her to go towards Serpenter's war room. Right, he wants him to die. So what? <laughs> but he said he didn't. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused about his motivations. <laughs> You would think at this point there would be some communication with uh, the leadership, like in, in little earpieces from all the people that are actually doing security. We like, found her. Like they, sh- well, they show that they they can detect her movement in an earlier scene. They oh, can yeah. see where she is. So you think they'd be like, uh, no, Sector C three. She's, she's actually over there. <laughs> you should make a right and snag her. Don't listen to them. <laughs> so uh, the intruder at this point. Hops through some half dozen closing steel security doors. All of these people are Chris Lata, by the way. Oh wow! So this is a cool sequence. Yeah, she's she's just flipping through these security doors here. They're they're not to her. She's fast. This is a cool sequence. Mm-hmm. I like I like this bit where she gets to the throne room. Like the, <laughs> I yeah I like how as she's walking down this pathway here she just drops a couple of like rando alien on, on grenades this, on, on those guys, guys below, that are, yeah. yeah that are in the trenches and just oh, yeah. gasses them out immediately. Serpentor at this point kind of sees what's going on. He he hits a button and fires some kind of crazy needle cannon at mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Uh, none of that really works out. Uh, Somersault that past iris that. thing closes and it's really cool. <laughs> it is really cool, but what is it doing there? It's just like I'm gonna put this barrier up in the throne room that uh, that she could have just walked around. No, she, it's it, on a bridge. It covers the whole bridge. Does it cover the yeah. whole bridge? Okay, all right. Well, I think she... I still don't think it's the greatest barrier in the world. But I think it works. I guess if it's going to give you an extra five seconds, sure. everything counts. So at this point, Serpentor hits the other He's like, peace! And he is trying to sink himself into the basement. Two face huggers, two red crimson guards out, but she manages to slide into the basement. Does a tr- like quadruple somersault. <laughs> With, I wonder if any of these people were uh, Olympic... Uh, gymnastics. You'd think that's before. where you'd go to recruit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're two of, they didn't have to train like, go to Russia for years to pull this off. She's in the throne room with Serpentor. He hits a button that kind of corresponds with a light, I guess. Yeah. He's got all controls in here. He grabs one of his patented snakes and creates a snake spear and says, None may challenge Serpentor. clearly notice, a staff. Did you notice when he pulled that snake that another snake just yeah. came back in his yeah, place? Yeah, I don't understand right the mechanics of the snakes at all. <laughs> just infinite snakes in a sort of mirror universe that he can just... I guess I have from. a pocket dimension. I well, guess yeah. I have to think... 
that maybe there's some kind of technology because basically Cobra Law is all about biotech that's, that time and again in this movie, which is also a trope, surpasses uh, like mechanical tech. So I assume those snakes are like some kind of like, I don't know, equipment. So you think that they're they're more tech than bio? I don't think they're biological at all. Oh, really? You think they're robots? Yeah. But they slither away. Yeah, I have that note snakes. later. Like, he, we'll talk about it when we get there. Oh, you, are these theories that support your... No, just a joke. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, he says, none may challenge Serpentor, this I command, which makes no sense. Our first this I command. That's right. He readies his aim, and his attacker reveals herself? And says, that won't be necessary, or as Anthony Kiedis would say... That would be a, a waste of time. Oh, a waste of time. You always fuck that up. I that, do. That would be a waste of time. <laughs> and she introduces herself at this point as uh, Pythona. Very sultry voice. Sultry voice. And I feel like they're trying to be sexy with this reveal. That, she's oh, very well, attractive. Yes, yeah, she's very sexy. I, Exotic I, is a good word. She's some kind of half reptile, half supermodel with a well-brushed hairstyle that would definitely... This wouldn't have been out of place like five years ago. People were doing this hairstyle to be uh, sexy. That's pretty severe. That, I'm with, I'm with it's it now. An extreme, and it's an extreme yeah. version of it. I like but, it. But with the half-shaved skull sides and the, and the long hair on top. I have always I mean, liked that look. Her earrings... Look like jalapenos. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> she has jalapeno earrings. They're probably meant to be teeth. <laughs> I imagine. Serpentor seems to recognize her, perhaps from his dreams. Uh, but did it hurt when she fell from heaven? She clarifies <laughs> it's actually a memory. She has somehow been encoded into his DNA, and it is their destiny to meet back up. And now it's time to fulfill his destiny. I am your density. <laughs> I mean... Your destiny. And and how does Marty McFly fulfill <laughs> his his density? Uh, well, pull a clam from your magical pocket. This hollow clam is <laughs> ridiculous. Works like some kind of oceanic iPhone here. And she, that she, snake is totally in the shot so bad. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Get the snake out of here. Get the snake handler. <laughs> and she reveals that Serpentor's destiny is intertwined with a piece of equipment called... The Broadcast Energy Transmitter. <laughs> and that is where we are going to leave it for this episode, guys. Oh, look at that thing. <laughs> Stupid fucking thing. The BET. I can't wait till we talk about this pile of garbage. Yeah. I mean, it looks really awesome. Yeah, it looks like it should do something. <laughs> but the I it's they're so confused about what it... Anyway, we'll talk about it next episode because that's whenever we get to it. Uh, Ryan, this seems like an appropriate moment, uh, if, if you are prepared, uh, to, in, in, in our Transformers days, uh, Transformers the movie days, we had our segment called Script Deviations. Maybe it's time for one of those. Ah! To the Script Deviations. <laughs> the problem with this, as I mentioned, refresh we'll our memory on this. Yeah, is that Ron Friedman, in the same way that he wrote the, wrote the Transformers script, he wrote, Ryan did finger quotes. I think you can hear my finger quotes <laughs> in my voice. Um, he did write the script, but it basically they took it and just changed. A, Flint Dilly for Transformers changed a whole bunch about it. In this one, um, uh, Buzz Dixon. Buzzy. 
it seems like this one got changed way more than Transformers did, um, because essentially they say that they're just that the character of Nemesis Enforcer is one of the only things they kept. Who says that? Buzz Dixon, the story consultant, okay. who is the Flint Dilly of GI Joe. Um, so I have here. I cannot find it online. The only thing I could find is there was an auction of a ver- of his version of the script. And uh, in the previews for the auction, they had three pictures, and one was the outline, and then one was uh, the uh, the the um, first. We just got a reply back from Rod. Oh, breaking news! Dateline. Transformers. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. The Autopod Decepticast has news. Let's go to press. So Ron wrote a script. You're having we we having a hard time finding it. Yep. And so Caleb sent an email while we, while were, we were talking the, about 15 minutes ago to Ron Friedman. I should also put it out there that Ron, I emailed Ron Friedman asking him about the, the I killed Optimus Prime. Uh, manuscript, yeah, and because he had a GoFundMe to raise money for it, he says it's completed. It's not published, and so he's he basically when I said can we can we get a copy of that, he replied back. This is after TFCon and said, "Give me thirty five dollars." He said, "Give me no." He said, "Yes, yeah, for thirty dollars." Oh, thirty for thirty dollars. You PayPal. You, you PayPal it to him. You, the manuscript plus an autograph of uh, Stan Lee. Uh, never. I, I sent him the money. I've not heard back from him about that. You sent him the money when? November? November. It's now okay. currently February. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me was like, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder if he took the money and he's just taking Put it all on a horse. He's just taking his time or if he, if it's part of the fundraising. And then you know he's raising. Well, let's money be clear: to... there is no act, like organized fundraising effort. He there is a video of him out there pitching for oh, like man. an Indiegogo type thing, but there's no real evidence that that Indiegogo right. exists, or if it did exist, maybe it didn't get. By the way, that video, uh, we'll I'll put it on our website. But uh, I looked it up; it's like two and a half minutes long, and he does a we- some weird off color yeah. references to alternative oh. lifestyles, and also. Yeah, has they're the nonsensical. They, they are. I wouldn't. Yeah, they're, they're, he's thinking. He thinks something about being gay school. is funny. It's old school. Yeah. Uh, you know, fair and he has funny. a poster. Of he says. He says. He basically says. Uh, I explain. We. He answers the question: Is Bumblebee gay? Is Megatron? Wheelie. Is Wheelie gay? Is Megatron, is Megatron a transvestite? Which is then he got leaves it there hanging. So and, dumb. And but then, like he but has he, the poster of a Transformers movie behind him, and he's like, "I'm the guy who killed Optimus Prime," and there, there he, is, he is, right, right there. there. Points to Ultra Magnus. Points to Ultra Magnus. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, but anyway, so I while we were doing this, I just sent an email asking, "A uh, excited to hear he's going to be at TFCon here in LA soon. Uh, Aaron's going to that. I said, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I said we're going to be there. Look forward to hear him talk." I asked him about the thirty bucks in the manuscript, and I just I just asked him about if he knows where we can get a copy of his draft of Joe. Joe. So let's see what he says. Oh, you haven't read it yet. All right, from him. I am delighted to hear from you, and forgive me for not being in touch. I have had a very full plate juggling my teaching schedule at Chapman University, which I'm where he's an adjunct professor, mm-hmm. with a new play, Love Her More, and getting my book. I killed Optimus Prime, so sue me, in the covers and ready for TFCon, at which time and place I will present one to you and probably refund a bit of your money once my final costs are known. Oh. If you'd prefer to have my book manuscript printed out as I originally suggested, I can still make that happen, for your 30 bucks. I plan to sell copies of my original scripts for The Transformers the Movie, the G.I. Joe five-part pilot script, with my autograph at the con. 
and am presently checking for pricing. Best regards with a side of Dinobots. Ron Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right, so let me. So it's not for the movie. Well, the G.I. Joe thing is for the, the well, basically this, the introduction so of the show. Says, so if I were to see him there, which I most there. certainly will, I, I can ask him the question about how, how could one get a hold of an original script of G.I. Joe, the movie, his original script. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I would do that. see where it goes from there because he didn't answer your question. Maybe he didn't understand the question, That's or fine. maybe he's being evasive. Well, he is. But how, old, how old is he now? He's not that old. I mean, he's, he's in his eighties. Oh, you think no. 80s? Oh, 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 oh. Let's see. Everybody involved with these cartoons how are in their eighties. If they're let's alive, take, no, how old? No. Do you I bet think, he's with 70, the exception of Flint I bet Billy. he's seventy-one. I bet he's eighty-seven. <laughs> he's not eighty-seven. Okay, let's find out. I bet he's in his upper 80s. Uh, born in uh, 1932, he's 86 years old. Well, wow. Jesus well done, Caleb. He's got it together. It's the first thing yeah. I've ever been wrong about. No, I'm just he's he's an old man, so I'm just amazed he can figure out how the emails <laughs> works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, he, with love like, and a side of Dinobots. That's pretty <laughs> that's cool. That's pretty funny. He, he, you know, I, I know I had a little uh, contention where he wasn't, like, uh, giving me the... <laughs> Where's my money? But he has replied within a matter of a half an hour. Yeah, that's impressive. And so I think uh, we need to decide if... I will not bring out the Switchblade when I see him, as you directed me to not do early. Joke about, <laughs> let's not even joke about shit like that. Um... I would say we re- we need to reply and, and what do you guys what would you prefer the book or his or his I mean, uh, the book manuscript. will probably be higher quality but the manuscript may have a certain je ne sais quoi if the, mm. so is he saying the final book will be at the show that's what it sounds like yeah. I could just get wait, we could have both and get we could have both. True. He's getting I Killed Optimus Prime into covers and ready for TFCon, at which time and place I will present one to you and probably refund a bit of your money once my final cost. This may be APDC exclusive news what I would that has do not been this. announced. I would say this. If I were you, I would say, you know what? I'll take the book with your autograph. Mm-hmm. No, no need to refund me any money. Uh, if you want to, you can buy me a drink. At that See, point. what I would do is but, hit, have Aaron buy the book, and you get the manuscript. Yeah, that's what I—that's where I was going in my head. Also, then you—it's a—it's a two for yeah. And then, do I get him a drink at the thing? Here's where I imagine a situation. It'd be nice to have a drink with Ron Friedman, but then will it turn into one of those scenarios where he keeps wanting to hang out all? Do not night? go to a, <laughs> do not go to a second location with Ron Friedman. <laughs> uh, best regards with the side of Dinobots. side of Dinobots. That's, that's pretty that's badass. Funny. All right. So, all right, Ron. All relevant to script deviations, which I think, I don't know if you said this or not, but basically the uh, there's a little bit of the original Friedman yes. script that is obtainable, and because we're at the beginning of the movie, presumably that bit of the script is, is relative to the beginning of the movie. I have the outline, the first page of the outline, which only goes to the, basically which goes to the end of our next episode that we'll do, um, and then I have the first page of his script for this Let's movie. have it then. Okay, so this is the first page. Page of Ron Friedman's script for G.I. Joe the movie. Fade in, a heavily fortified G.I. Joe Arctic tracking station. Howling wind and snow sweep the desolate scene which is eerily lit by the northern lights. We hear voices coming from the Quonset hut-like command structure and intercut inside to show several Joes on duty, some engaging in radio communication, other manning, manning an array of scanning devices, sweeps, radar, satellite, earth monitors, etc., the on-duty Joes should be familiar characters which may no longer be in the product line. For example, Torpedo, Footloose, Alpine, Scarlet, Dusty. As they work and exchange easy banter about their lousy and lonely assignment, a hulking but indistinct figure moves out of the storm and crosses the perimeter warning system, triggering alarms! 
The Joes inside instantly arm themselves, taking defensive positions, but laugh and relax when their scanners pick up the intruder, a huge ferocious-looking polar bear, which roars for their sentry camera and then turns back into the storm. Poor bear, they say, out on the night like that. Baby, they should ask him in for coffee. We cut outside the polar bear and close in. So wait a minute, that's just Friedman's like little side notes that would yes. never be in the movie. Yes. <laughs> but he's just hoping whoever well, reads it gets a nice little I think this is also it. more of his outline. It's not the script proper. Okay. He's just making notes about what okay. he wants to do on the script. We cut outside the polar bear and close in. It's no ordinary bear. In fact, it seems to be half bear and half man. Which was the dreadnoughts. Man bear, man bear pig. <laughs> the earth sign equivalent of a werewolf. And then, as we look on, the bear transforms itself into a huge man-like creature we have never seen before. He's grotesque, powerful, menacing. Later, well, Enforcer Nemesis. Yeah, I think it's meant to be Nemesis Enforcer, <laughs> who apparently had transmogrification powers in the script originally. So, cutting to the outline for G.I. Joe the movie, that he has that part up there. Um, the And then... Nemesis Enforcer uh, adapts, is able to adapt and kill. He uses the bio-life drone creatures, which may coil around the heads of dead Joes and impersonate their voices exactly when they need to return radio and video contact with the other Joes. That's weird. It's a little bit like the Insecticon bombshell. Or the movie The Thing. It's basically <laughs> it The there, Thing. Ryan. I've never seen that movie. You're crazy, man. That's, a, that's like there my favorite my John Carpenter movie. Cred. That's the best. It's so good. Is it more sci-fi or horror? Side horror, horror Sore. I would, I would say it's more horror. Okay. Um, the result is that Joe does not know that the outpost has been destroyed and will not learn about it until Hawk takes command and discovers, maybe before taking command, he learns this and gets Hawk to believe him, and they provide the clue of the location to Cobra Law. Now it, it cuts to showcasing the new Joes. Maybe Shipwreck has been awa- away a while and is introduced to the Beavers. By Roadblock, which I guess is the name of the uh, new group. Joe. Yes. The Beavers. Like, instead of calling them, like, Rawhides or... Roughnecks or, yeah. Beavers. <laughs> but ship, shipwreck's been gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a beaver to a guy who's <laughs> been out on the ocean so, for a while. Is that, like, the, again, like, the, the crocodile seeing, like, the, 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 the pork chop? <laughs> That's right. Everybody's a big (laughs) walking vagina. Vagina. Uh, And we see that Jinx has bad luck and deals with it. (laughs) You know, because of her name. You should hold on that because uh, for when we actually do introduce those characters. Okay. Yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. 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 No. uh, We can stop there. All right. Absolutely. There'll be a little taste. So Jinx is in there. Jinx is in there. Not just Nemesis Enforcer. Enforcer Nemesis. Um, And then just for the Buzz Dixon stuff, because he does a commentary on this. He's the story consultant. Um, He talks about meeting uh, Sergeant Slaughter while he was doing his line. Says he was a cool guy. Uh, Also met Burgess Meredith. Um, Oh, I do want to play you a recording I have that I took off the commentary of him talking about Ron Friedman. Um, And just he's, he's very nice about it. It's just it's great. Now you'll see I have story consultant here, and Ron Friedman gets the written by credit. Now Ron wrote the original script to G.I. Joe the movie, but uh, a different take was wanted to be uh, approached on it. And in the process, we basically went back to square one. Um, we used one of the characters he came up with, Nemesis Enforcer, that you'll be seeing in a bit. But Ron had um, a contract that guaranteed him written by credit. 
That's where he ends that statement. There's no, oh. He doesn't say anything else. Well, but it's like, you know, mm, good for Ron for having a good contract. He had place. an amazing agent, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. You got to start you got to start somewhere. Well, his 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 idea for the movie was completely different like uh, uh or, or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally defending Ron since he replied to my email. <laughs> <laughs> You're riding that dick. <laughs> uh, well, Buzz that. Dixon did write for the show, and originally for the show, like they had a completely different idea for the series and the mini, the five part miniseries. And they, he called it the most dangerous man in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, basically, Cobra was going to be a fascist political organization, like Nietzsche style. And Cobra Commander ended up misapplying the man. There's this certain man, this dangerous, most dangerous man in the world, who's the head of it. The man's philosophy and cobra instead became an evil organization um and then cobra commander had the philosopher imprisoned he escapes and cobra puts everything else on hold to track him down the joes don't know what this dude is all about but if cobra wants him they want him too and then gi joe actually captures him uh but he escapes and they're like fuck it let him go if he can damage cobra so much the better and like hasbro liked it but they also like the idea of having an emperor serpentor and they're like eh, put the two together so the five part is the one that ron wrote Yes. And that's the one he's referring to This is what in the email. Yes. But what Buzz but is referring is to what, is an alternate take on what that five part would have been. Right, uh, exactly. Sure. Okay. So both Hasbro wanted both the secret civilization sponsoring Cobra and that Cobra would create Serpentor uh, because of Cobra Commander's incompetence with the evil DNA. So they just didn't get into that man that what is yeah it the philosopher the, the most dangerous that, that, man until later bef- like the season prior to this movie actually i believe if i'm not mistaken that the whole serpentor thing was actually its own little three or five part yes. miniseries mm-hmm. that was kind of like a mini movie that was uh done on there great yep and that's well that's it I, all i have on the script deviations for this one awesome well like we did in the early days uh, it got more sparse in the later times of transformers the movie and uh, whenever we were reviewing it we talked about voice actors so as we get into this i'd like to go into some of the voice actors that we see and there's a lot that are shared from the transformers mm-hmm. the movie universe obviously we've got people that we've talked about previously like dick gautier who does serpentor he was actually the voice of Rodimus Prime. Yeah, on I the... was actually surprised to learn that. I can hear it now, but yeah, I never totally. knew it before. It is interesting how you can hear other people in their voices when you know it. You mm-hmm. can kind of you can kind of synthesize the other characters that they do. But he was a Tony nominated actor, nightclub singer, game show panelist, ca- caricaturist. He's got lo- several books on drawing and cartooning. Uh, Chris Latta, everybody knows awesome. a lot about Chris Latta. Uh, we've covered him as ad nauseum on for GI Joe uh, outside of Cobra Commander, most famous for. He also did Gung Ho, Ripper, Breaker, Stealer, Frostbite. We spoke briefly of the transition in a previous episode uh, of G.I. Joe's movement from Sunbow as the primary animation uh, production company to DIC. He was one of the few actors to make that transition, along with Ed Gilbert, Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry Hauser, and Morgan Lofting, who does The Baroness. Uh, weapons manufacturer Destro, we covered him in the past as well. Arthur Burghardt, actor, playwright, prisoner of conscience. Also we, knows Iceberg. <laughs> we we covered him extensively in Transformers the movie for G.I. Joe. He's also, yes, Iceberg and Stalker, as well as the god Osiris himself in an episode Ooh. called The Gods Below. Did lots of voiceover. I remember that one. That was a really, really fascinating G.I. Joe episode for me. Really? They they were dealing with the Egyptians got Egyptian right. gods. It was a really cool episode. Yeah. I don't it probably doesn't hold up, but I would, <laughs> I remember that being a, a, a very a very uh 
this strange episode, but it really made an impression. Fun fact about Arthur Burghardt, he in the eighth season of Seinfeld, there's an episode called The Pothole. You Seinfeld guys probably... Yeah, I just actually went through a binge of Seinfeld. Okay. I just finished Do you remember that night. episode? Oh, yes. In that episode, there is a mention of the Arthur Burghardt Expressway, and that was a tribute to him. Wow. Mm-hmm. I did not catch that when I watched it. Holy cow! And he will be at TFCon LA this March. Intelligence Officer Baroness Morgan Lofting. Uh, on Transformers, she played the characters Dr. Harding in the episode Attack of the Autobots, Joan in the episode Microbots, Moonracer in the Search for Alpha Trion, and news reporter and a news reporter from Megatron's Master Plan Part One. From GI Joe, Baroness is the is the top tier role. She also played uh, character Madame Versailles, Mrs. Rudot, and Coverta. Fatal. Oh, she also played. It's <laughs> a Bondian name. <laughs> no, she also played Aunt May on the uh, eighty-one Spider-Man Princess Invidia on Star Blazers, and uh, she's on an episode of Trapper John M.D. I like. I watched the a Mash lot of Trapper John. <laughs> Knots Landing voice work on Total Recall. She will also be at TFCon LA. Uh, Master of Mind Control, Dr. Mindbender, was voiced by Brian Cummings. He did a lot of radio, television work, commercials, advertising, and, and kind of show announcement type work. Dr. Mindbender was his only ro- role on G.I. Joe, but he did a ton of voiceover on shows like Ninja Turtles, Garfield, uh, DuckTales, Bernstein Bears, mm-hmm. uh, Scooby-Doo, Hunter S. Thompson fans out there, as as we were, at least we experimented in college, uh, will appreciate the fact that Brian Cummings played the role of Richard Nixon in the movie Where the Buffalo Roam, which is the 1980 film that starred Bill Bill Murray Murray. as Hunter S. Thompson and Peter Boyle as Latino lawyer Oscar Zeta Acosta. Then we've got uh, Cobra Law Emissary, Pythona, and she was voiced by Jennifer Darling, who is a solid utility player in a number of animated series. She also had several on-screen roles, most notably Peggy Callahan, who was the secretary to Oscar Goldman in The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. In The Incredible Hulk, uh, she was in Eight is Enough, she was on The Love Boat, she got into voice acting in the early 80s with shows such as Trollkins, and there was an animated The Gary Coleman Show. Oh, I don't remember that at all. (laughs) She is credited on 13 episodes of a show called The Dukes from 1983. Do you remember what that was? Can you guess what that was? Uh, Was it a spinoff from Dukes of Hazzard? That's right. It was the Duke Boys and Daisy Duke racing against Boss Hogg and Sheriff Roscoe around the world. So that was a show? It was a cartoon. It was an animated show. So they would go to places like Switzerland, Paris, Scotland, Hong Kong, oh, Uzbekistan. It's and weird just, how they made cartoons out of just like things that existed, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like the WWF cartoon. Like if you could merchandise it mm-hmm. and like create a toy, license it out, go for it. I guess there Hazard was County's sheriff budget must be astronomical. <laughs> to pay them. That the CIA's job aren't they out of their jurisdiction <laughs> a little bit? All right. Uh, I discovered that show shows up in a lot of my voice actor research for GI Joe. Wow. Um, she did lots of additional voice credits on a lot of memorable cartoons, such as Foofer, The Blinkins, <laughs> New Kids on the Block, and The Timeless Tales from Hallmark. <laughs> Those are not uh, memorable, that's why. I, I do was... actually remember New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I'm not, not surprising that would have an animated show. Mm-hmm. Also, more memorably, she was on Visionaries, Knights what? of the Magical Light, DuckTales, Tailspin. Ryan, she uh, was uncredited as the voice of the computer in the movie Demolition Man. 
Oh. There you go. I, I, I thought you'd like that. Yeah, that's one of the costumes that Wes and I have considered doing is Simon Phoenix and uh, John Spartan. Are, are you Obviously, be... I'd be Phoenix. <laughs> We've had a lot, a lot of text conversations about blackface. <laughs> so I guess it's good that you're not going to be Simon Phoenix. No, I would be John Spartan. Mm. Also, you do have Stallone's height. Cha cha cha. I'll buy one hand or two. Um, it's your choice. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that is the voice actors that appeared in this episode. I've got a few other fun details I'd like to share, if I may be so bold. All right. The first 16 <laughs> figures from 1982, including Caleb's mail-in Cobra Commander that he had, were all released with what is known in the G.I. Joe community as straight arms. I see a lot about this. And uh, so basically they could bend at the elbows, but starting in the next year, they had articulation that allowed their arms to swivel to the left and the right. Oh. So they, they all just have straight arms. And all of those figures... So they can do the mashed potatoes. That's right. All and the twist. They, all of those <laughs> oh, figures... Does anybody get that chicken? <laughs> Uh, got re-released with basically the same molds, but they'd adapted the the molds to be able to have the swizzle swizzle arms. <laughs> oh, he's got them swizzle arms. Uh, the next next fun point: Baroness is Cobra's intelligence officer. Her bio is that she was the spoiled child of a wealthy of wealthy European aristocrats. As she grew up, she joined a group of student radicals who moved on to extremism and ultimately into the ranks of Cobra. Is she inspired by? By Patty Hearst? I feel, I feel like it sounds like the Weather Underground. Hmm. Obama. What? <laughs> what? Why are you invoking <laughs> President Obama? That? Because it's, it's, remember that was a big deal during the 2008 campaign. I can't remember the guy's name. He was a he is a, a, a university professor that is like good buddies with Obama. That was a part of the Weather Underground. Oh, I vaguely allegedly this. Uh, had some I, linkage to bombings, I, and uh, and people are like, Obama's best friend is this left wing terrorist are from awesome. the 60s. Yeah. I, I just I just know it's 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 a common conservative thing where they they criticize the European elite and right. uh, you know and how and obviously this is a play on like this is what happens which doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> well, I also like it that we had like accusations of fake crimes from a president, whereas now we have real crimes. Nobody right. It's fine. Everything's fine. How are you? I just I just thought it reminded me of Patty Hearst, guys. I'm sorry. Um, well, was, wealthy yep, aristocrat. Sure. Patty Hearst. I, I, yeah. Faked kidnapping, perhaps. I actually don't know that story that well, other than the fact that she showed up and she was holding was uh, part of the group, uh, yeah. machine I can, guns. I can in see the connection. Robberies. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I just made that connection. However, litigious it may be. <laughs> Dr. Mindbender, his profile reads that he was, I just thought this was funny. And maybe, the, I don't know how canon this is in all of the G.I. Joe <laughs> universe, but this is hilarious to me. Dr. Mindbender was at one time an excellent orthodontist. <laughs> And a very kind and honest man. He tinkered with electric brainwave stimulation as a mean of, means of relieving dental pain, but made the tragic mistake of experimenting on himself. He underwent a complete personality change and became hateful, deceitful, and vain. That's actually a really good bio. I'm sure these are all written by Larry Hama. <laughs> Dr. Mindbender abandoned his practice and devoted all his time to perfecting his digital brain scrambling into a hand-portable weapon system oh. capable of reducing the most strong strong-willed individual into a cowering wimp. I like the wow. idea, though, that he does he does all this Cobra stuff, but he still has to go into the office sometimes. <laughs> does he still work? Is he their dentist? Yeah. Like, 
Oh, well, yeah, he totally would be the Blair Dentist. I'll be a dentist. But I just like that he's still trying to juggle that practice yeah. and doing Cobra as well. You might feel a little sting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to finish out his bio, Dr. Mindbender doesn't think he's deluded. He feels, uh, he feels like he used to be deluded. Now that he's seen the light, or the dark, if you will, Ooh. he feels it is his personal mission to bring the miracle of thought control to each and every one of you. That's a really interesting backstory. <laughs> Orthodontist. <laughs> Pythona appears, uh, one more little interesting fact I discovered. It seems like Pythona, for what, they gave figures to all of the Cobra Lobby people uh, that we'll see later in the movie but pythona did not get one and she hmm. did not have a figure at least as far as i can tell correct me if i'm wrong she'd joe RC, fans out there she'd be rc of the joverse really exactly Fuck. until 2000 which is also just weird because there were female lots of joe them. characters lots of that had jokes. toys uh but she, until 2016 she got a three and three quarter figure uh they were putting out figures that were either i think they were based on the original molds so it's it, but it, although there was no original mold but they built it to look as like, shitty oh, as like, those original sure. molds, and it came out then. So, and it was a collectors club membership exclusive. So that was kind of interesting to me. So now's the time, guys, when when uh, we all maybe want to talk about our iconic Jomans. Yes, <laughs> great, great. Well, Caleb, you go first. What? Well, I think eventually we need to work up. We do need to work up some sort of, like, like some but kind more of, of a high pitched Joman eagle kind of screech, an explosion, oh. eagle screech. Maybe. I think it's more like fireworks, eagle screech, fireworks, a machine uh, gun, maybe a machine gun, and also marching band music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, make those I'll four things happen. Iconic Joment. What's your iconic Joment? Uh, iconic <laughs> Joment. I really. Uh, from an animation standpoint, I do like it when the pods are approaching the, uh, mm. what are they called again? The stun? The stuns. Stun that was a cool scene. And it's just, yeah, that full. It reminded me of when yeah. Unicron would pass by the camera and be sweeping in front of the camera yeah. and just. So, like, I, I mean, I, I like, I do like that. Uh, I, I, you know, plot wise, not very iconic, but animation wise, I, mm-hmm. it sticks out. It was great. Really gets, really kind of sets the, sets the premise, you know. I think we'll see, Pretty but cool. we've surmised in, in previous discussions about G.I. Joe the movie that the high points of Transformers the movie are better than the high points of G.I. Joe the movie, mm. animation-wise. Careful. But G.I. Joe the movie is consistently better. Whereas yes. Transformers the movie, it almost feels like you could feel how tired the animators were getting <laughs> by the end of the movie. Like yeah, the, the Unicron low, explosion sequence and the pulling the off the The low points in the, TF, in the Transformers movie are quite low. Right, yes, right. The, the, Whereas, the, less, the high points are better, low points are worse. Joe is very consistent. There you go. Right. The, the Unicron all, in particular is a beautiful segment that of badness. No, no, no. Where he sweeps by the oh, camera. Oh yes, yeah. like the early shots. Yeah. and, and the, I think they reuse it once or twice. Yep. Although, however, the opening sequence, as we've said, so this is a little ad nauseum of GI Joe the movie is better than anything in Transformers the movie. Period. That thing is just balls to the wall. Yep. Um, <laughs> Ryan. Oh, um, I think just in terms of what stuck with me and what I remember noticing as a kid is the part where Pythona like puts the acid on the guy's face and his helmet comes <sighs> off. Horrifying. It's just so unusual and mm-hmm. you just never see the human aspect of it. They've never done a reveal. Yeah, it's, like it was that. very jarring for me. Do you even really, see, on the show, had you even seen a, a, a normal trooper's face? I don't before? think so. Uh, I, I don't know. None that had masks on and then didn't. The point is, is their face 
tasteless. There is an episode where I forget who, but there's um, someone infiltrates Cobra and goes through like the the onboarding process of oh. becoming a, a, a Cobra oh, I like soldier. That. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I think they access. I don't remember hardly anything except I remember it finding it interesting that like oh they're going through like the recruiting process, mm-hmm. and I think possibly in that episode you do get to see some Crimson Guard without their helmets on. Okay, cool. It reminds me of Venture Brothers a little bit. Oh, yeah. That, that you've got those characters that are part of, like, the sort of nameless, faceless people under the monarch. The butterfly and, gag troopers, yeah. yeah. And, and, but there's two or three of them, I can't remember, that kind of stand out the and main, have their own personalities yes. and develop Agent along with the show. Agent 23 or something like Let's that. Let's not forget that the Venture Brothers pretty much spoof Cobra and G.I. Sure. Joe. I mean, they spoof, they, they spoof a lot of things mm-hmm. re- very well. And I, I'm way behind on that show. I don't even know if they still produce it. I don't, Do you, I don't either. I it was know. very well. It's animated. a great show. Yeah. That we don't watch. Apparently. And works well. <laughs> I remember, I think I saw the first three seasons. I, would I definitely did. On, I need to buy that on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will just say mine is the uh, Pythona's robe opening reveal. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I hung up on that. <laughs> no wonder your notes are so scattered. You were beaten off while you were writing yeah, them down. Lord. <laughs> but aside from that, that scene, just that complete underbus throwing of Cobra Commander mm-hmm. sticks out in my it, it just makes me think of some moments this will sound sad I'm not looking for sympathy as a kid where I felt that way where like people were just piling on Was it? Is this about me? It's not about you <laughs> it's about people treating me like a nerd I never got that. Neither did I. I may, maybe it's because I talk too much if, you keep, if you're quiet maybe people leave you alone I don't know. I just look unapproachable. <laughs> oh, really? No. I think so. Like they think you're going to hurt him. Is that what it is, Ryan? No, I just too much of a tough guy. No, it's more like he's a, more he's, like invisible. Yeah, that's about exactly what I was <laughs> say that you stole my joke. Mm, sorry about, about, about you. <laughs> I fade into the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I remember a level with the within Cobra this back to Cobra Commander of like just smack talk and treachery and disrespect throughout the television show. But I know like as far like the, the way people treated him, like giving mm-hmm. him that kind of treatment, but never seemed as bad as in oh, this movie. It, Although the whole creation, as I'm saying this, the whole idea that somebody would create Serpentor is a pretty giant act of insubordination. It's a big slap in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how did they get funding for that? It, Cobra Commander, I assume, would not sign those checks. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a committee. <laughs> Maybe so. Is there a board? He must be like the CEO, and so he is beholden to shareholders. Right, yeah. Well... So I, I I think that's it, guys. Yeah, awesome. I think that, I, we covered this one. All right, so <laughs> happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> I want to take some time to thank everybody who's been supporting us at the APDC store. Thank you very much for uh, purchasing our items. We uh, have the cup recruitment poster still out there, APDC pin series. I promise we are still working on things. Get them while they're there. Get them. Get them now. <laughs> while because, supplies last. While supplies last. Uh, so as seen on TV. <laughs> don't miss out on this once in a lifetime. Time opportunity, <laughs> Joe opportunity. <laughs> that was even better than Caleb's crappy one. I mean, they're all better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so please continue to listen to the show. Subscribe, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in if you're an iTunes user. Uh, leave us one of them reviews. Five stars, please. I'll assume you're already subscribed. Uh, follow us on our social media: Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of them at apoddecast. And of course, there's the web presence on mm-hmm. poddecepticast.com. It's going to be a lot easier to find content for this. Because for the for the website, because we're dealing with thirty minute increments. 
yeah, I wider mean, ranging conversation. Go check it out. We always put some like this all the ancillary stuff we mention up there on the website. Our iconic moments will, segments will be better as well because uh, we'll uh, be able to uh, draw from more iconic. Stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, Jomans. Jomans. My apologies. There you go. Peep huh. the shop. Check the merch. Buy something awesome. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. 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 bye, bye. <laughs>
to here to amuse you. All right, all right, very good. I would, I would, I um went to the. How would you do it, Ryan? I went to Hammond's Tower recently because I had to sign the divorce papers. Oh, um, does that mean that's done? As soon as the judge signs it. Well, talk about speaking of chasing something down. <laughs> it's only, it's only been three years. Good lord. Um, but like, I really love the '70s aesthetic of the Hammond's Towers, and it's mostly all law firms in there. But there's a certain smell to a '70s building that I really enjoy. Anyway, I say all that to say this, like. The lobby of the Hammond's Tower, I'd want him to come out of the elevator yeah. and like I'd be sitting in one of the chairs and he'd just off take off go. and I'd take off after him. No, no. He's no, the, he'd he's take the off chaser. after you. If I was the chaser, that's what I would ask. Oh, the, so it tells the, you something about Ryan. He assumes he's the chaser. I like the idea of like the boundaries would be Hammond's Tower. Like wherever, like you have access to the whole building. Oh, I do. Whenever I went there, I liked the building so much I just wandered around for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's good to put a boundary on it. Then it becomes like a Mario Kart. I feel like that's probably illegal to just run around a building, though. Well, I'm just... far as that let you. I'm just trying to say, like, if if you could make your own rules here. Sure. You know, that would be a a fun one. Uh, The mall might be a fun one. Yeah. That would be a good one. Seems dangerous. Why? Running into people. Uh, I would do it after hours. It's an empty, yeah, empty mall. How about an I, empty baseball stadium? Like, I mean, there would be still be clothing and merchandise in the mall. I love movies that are set in closed. You dress up as like a, you dress commercial like a, spaces. Be like a mannequin. Like, oh my god, who can find me? <laughs> but yeah, I've always ever since I was a kid wanted to be locked in a place after hours. Yeah, mall would be good. Night of the Comet does that really well. Uh, uh, Sorority Babes, the Slime Ball Bolorama. That's another one. What? Uh, what's it's a movie. That, but where were they locked in? A bowling alley. Ah, yeah. uh, gotcha. A slime ball. Ballorama. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. But it was part of a mall, I think. So, And then, oh, there's one with, uh, it's like, uh, there's robot robots that are like the robot patrolmen, and they go haywire and start killing people. Are you oh. purposefully not saying um, Dawn of the Dead because... Uh, that's too cliche as the representative well, they're of the movie, and you want to rep your cred. They're by... trapped in there, All right? I mean, but same difference, different. right? No, I'm choosing to go like go into some place after hours and like explore it with nobody around. No, they're not really. Tra- I mean, they choose to stay in the mall. I Dawn no. of the Dead is my favorite horror movie of all time, the the '70s one. Um, so obviously that one. But yeah, I wanted to bring in some less known ones. All right. I'm too pedestrian. What do you? What, what so? <laughs> Tell us about yours. Do you have a scenario yeah. where you would either be the chasey yeah. or the chaser and what would be like kind of the ideal circumstance? Uh, yeah. So I getting caught or catching someone. I would basically have them chase me into a uh, motel room, but I would go lock myself in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I would I have, I would have a Nintendo entertainment oh, system hooked up to this is an the, interesting... uh, to the uh, television in the hotel room, and I would command, I would direct them to begin playing Mario Brothers with a very specific set of instructions, in which I would then come out and Aim make it. love to them can, can while you, the, but they ex- must can you reach orgasm this? when. Uh, the, they have to hit the fireworks, at which point I will have orgasm. Can you explain this segment? I will have orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have orgasm. So that's, that's, so that's the chasing sequence Great. I would set uh, up via oh, <laughs> Craigslist. This is it. Right now, this is an inside joke for three people. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, and the listeners have just no idea just what Just do this a is Google out. search for Best of Craigslist Super Mario Brothers. You'll find it. All right. <laughs> Getting anal while playing Super Best Mario Brothers. Go look that up. Super at Mario work. Brothers. Yeah, please. Brussels, Brussels, where we sell good.